object in our one introduction. Again, this is not meant to be, like many of my other classes, a fiery class of inspiration. Uh, this is meant to be an in-depth study of Moshiach so that we get comprehensive understanding. The greatest, I think, inspiration is knowledge. When you really understand what we're waiting for, and it's not just a bunch of opinions of people who are completely ignorant and just throw things out, but when you have actually a strong and great foundation understanding the material from its very source. So that, uh, that, that, that information is the most inspiring thing and it puts us into the mode we need to be in so that we can prepare ourselves and live in Moshiach consciousness and Moshiach awareness. Um, last week we spoke about who are the authorities on Moshiach. We pointed to three people that we're going to follow their text primarily and that is Maimonides, Rambam, Nachmanides, Ramban, and then the one that has analyzed and studied their texts so thoroughly and thoroughly and thoroughly and taught us so much meaning and layers and layers and layers and layers upon that, and that is the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And so we're going to take from all these, these are my primary sources with which we're going to work with. Um, last week we discussed why I've chosen them as the sources that we're going to base the class on. Um, we began last week to lay out the vision of what Moshiach is all about. What's the vision? What, are, what, is, what is the goal? What is the days of Moshiach, Moshiach supposed to be that we're all waiting for? So over here we, I mentioned primarily that there are different visions of Moshiach from the various different sources. They each see Mashiach in a different light. What we're gonna to try to do is bring these ideas together so that we realize they're not contradicting each other, but rather they complement each other. And we're all talking about different dimensions. Now there are times when there are, is some conflict and then we have to figure out who do we follow, okay? Now, the three basic um, um, takes on Mashiach is number one, we have the take of the vision of the Rambam. And Rambam, as he is coming from, a very, from the mind of a philosopher. Let me step back one moment. According to all three opinions that we're going to talk about, all three principles, Moshiach is a time of the world reaching its perfection. The question is only... They have different views on what is the perfection and the purpose of creation. Rambam, the philosopher, sees the purpose of creation as enlightenment. It's when humanity is going to reach its ultimate enlightenment. Enlightenment of what? Enlightenment and appreciation of their creator. Man is going to know God to the highest and deepest way that we can know Hashem. That's that is, according to Rambam, the objective of the ultimate goal, or the ultimate achievement of a human being is to know Hashem. Another opinion or the perspective of Halakha, which is kind of the perspective of, as we're going to see soon, the mitzvah perspective on the purpose of creation, 
halacha's perspective is that the, the, the ultimate realization of creation is the revelation of God's kingship. The entire world is in Hashem's kingdom. As the world is now, the world doesn't comply with God's will. Human beings across the planet, 8 billion people, are not all complying with the will of Hashem. We ourselves find it to be a tremendous struggle for us to comply with God's will and submit to Hashem's kingship. When Mashiach comes, there will be global compliance with Hashem's will, joyfully and happily, and God will be a king over the entire world. Okay, so that is the perfection of halacha. The perfection of, as Hasidus sees it, the ultimate purpose and ultimate realization of creation is not just God's kingship being implemented in the world, but Hashem himself, Hashem himself, revealing himself completely in this world. The revelation of God. Not God's kingship. God's kingship means God's sovereignty and authority. There is something else. Divine revelation. Hashem himself is revealed. And as we mentioned last week, we find in verses, in, in, in the Navi, in scripture, we find verses pertaining to Mashiach which support these three views. Which support all of these three views. The first um, um, we have a pasuk that speaks about um, the. Uh, there's a pasuk that says in Yermio, "Le'yomer oid ish le'reeyu le'mar du'as Hashem." In the end of days, no one will say anymore to their fellow, "No God." Kikulam yadu oisi. Everybody will know will know me. Hashem says. That means we're talking about a time of tremendous knowledge. There's another pasuk. Kimal, you're familiar with the verse. The world is, will be filled or is filled with knowledge of Hashem. It's a pasuk in Yeshayo. Now, so that's describing great enlightenment and knowledge of Hashem. Now, we also mentioned it's Hashem's kingship will be realized in the days of Mashiach. Well, the, the pasuk, and there are so many pasukim, I'm just quoting one. God is going to be a king over the entire world. It's a Pasuk in Zechariah. Now, in regards to the ultimate objective of creation, that Hashem is revealed in the world in the greatest revelation, and He's not obscured, and He's not hidden, hidden anymore beyond all the veils and garments that obscure and hide God, well, there's a Pasuk, and again in Zechariah, your teacher, your master, will not hide from you any more in a garment, your eyes will see your teacher or your master. We will all see, behold God in a very, very powerful way. So we have these three ideas stated openly in the Tanakh, in scripture, openly that all these things will happen when Mashiach comes. Each of these perspectives focus on another angle of this Mashiach reality. Now, we will begin with Rambam. Okay? Last week I have shared with you Rambam, the text of the Rambam. We're going to review it briefly today of this particular text of Rambam. And what I would like to do first is as follows. To open up the Rambam. By doing what? 
The Rambam himself discusses Moshiach in various different places. We're going to do a careful analysis of all those texts and compare them and see that Rambam himself has different views on Mashiach. Okay, primarily, there is a description on Mashiach in Rambam in the Laws of Repentance, in Hilchus Tshuva, where Rambam has a whole entire description of Mashiach, okay, and, and, and one perspective of Mashiach. Then the, in the same, very same book, in the, in the book of Mishneh Torah, in Laws of Kings, Rambam describes in the last two chapters the Messianic age, the days of Mashiach, and as we're going to see clearly, that the Rambam has a complete different description of Mashiach in his laws of king, seeming to, seeming to be contradicting or at least very different than what that very same Rambam tells us in the laws of truth. <coughs> so this is what we're going to analyze today. Then we're going to add that in his Pirush on Mishnah, in his introduction to the 10th chapter in Masech the Sanhedrin, Rambam has also a Pirush an explanation on Mishnayis, on Mishnah, which he wrote in Arabic, and that was later translated. Mishnah Torah he wrote in Hebrew, in Lashon HaKodesh, but that he wrote in Arabic. And over there the Rambam has another description on Mashiach, slightly different than what, than both the other places, and we're going to analyze that as well. And finally, there is a famous letter from the Rambam called Igeres Taimon, where Rambam writes a letter to encourage the broken Jews of Yemen. The people of Yemen were going through horrific persecutions at that time, and Rambam writes a letter to them. And in that letter, he's disproving Christianity and Islam, and he's also describing our Jewish view on Mashiach. Okay? So the there, we see complete other words. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to try to harmonize and bring this together, first to see the differences, and then try to put the puzzle together. How does it all work? Okay? So first of all, we're going to begin with Rambam and the laws of tshuva. Now I had mentioned earlier that Rambam, in general, as a philosopher, is someone who appreciates and sees knowledge as the highest thing. So the Rambam clearly, in his Pirish of Mishnah, which I quoted to you last week, and I've made copies, and you'll have it over here. I'm not going to review it inside. I'm just going to show you where it is. It's in, it's in one of these... Um, copies that I've made over here, and it was all the way in the back. Rambam in, one second, let me get this to the beginning. Here we are. The last two pages in your booklet. That's a, 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 a passage from the Rambam in his introduction to all of Mishnah, not to Pirish, not to the 10th chapter of, of Chelek, but in the beginning of the Mishnayis, the Rambam has it. And over there, the Rambam states very clearly that the early researchers and philosophers have discussed, he begins with Da, you see on the top, Ki HaKadmon and Chokru, the early generations investigated and researched what is the, that everything needs to have a purpose. What is the purpose of creation? What is the purpose of everything? And the Rambam in this very long page that we have over here, this text, goes on to describe that everything in this world serves the human being. Every plant, every animal, every insect. There has to be in some way in which it's beneficial to human life. Either medicinal, this, that, life, the nourishment, food, clothing, so and so. We're all supported by the various different things. Certain things we know, certain things we find out as time goes by. The qualities and the unique uh, contribution that every single species that there is in the world contributes to human life. The ultimate being is the human being. 
Then Rambam says, so what's the human being for? So Rambam says the human being, what makes him greater than the animals and everybody else? It's his mind. So the human being is his greatest, is the mind. And what's the ultimate? So again, the human's purpose is to think, to know, to gain intelligence and insight. And what's the ultimate intelligence? To know Hashem. So, and therefore, and he says that all other knowledge, all other disciplines and all other science and all other research is only a preparation and it's a practice, so to speak, to enable us to know Hashem better. That's the, the Ramam's perspective. And therefore he says, the ultimate purpose of creation and the ultimate human being is an enlightened human being. Fine, that's Ramam. Based on this idea that Ramam says in other places besides over here, the Rambam looks at all of Yiddishkeit and all of Torah and mitzvahs as a means of human refinement for that purpose. All mitzvahs that we have make us more refined. And when we're more refined, we have a firmer, stronger, more focused mind to be able to appreciate and know our Creator. Every mitzvah, sometimes we understand, the Rambam explains how this mitzvah adds to the human being's refinement, and sometimes we don't understand exactly how. But Maimonides' view from this philosophical place that all mitzvahs contribute to this ultimate purpose. God is helping us and assisting us like a loving father guiding his child to cultivate certain attitudes and certain uh, char character traits and the like so that they can be the most accomplished in their life, so that they can be the most educated and whatever. So these are certain practices, certain exercises. So Hashem is giving us all these mitzvahs for this ultimate purpose, so that we can reach enlightenment. Now Rambam also strongly emphasizes that as enlightened we can become, as far and as knowledgeable we can come of Hashem, when we're in a body, the body is still a confinement and a restriction. And therefore, we, we can only reach enlightenment in our bodies to a certain degree. Eventually, the ultimate, ultimate enlightenment is when our soul leaves the body, goes up to a spiritual place called, in the words of the Rambam, Olam Haba, the future world. And over there, the soul have the greatest, most expansive understanding and knowledge of Hashem. And that brings the soul the ultimate pleasure and delight. And as Rambam says, it's an indescribable pleasure. And that is the ultimate reward. And that's where our aspirations should be. Olam haba. Okay? Where do we see this? In Rambam, the laws of tshuva. And this is where we'll take you back to the beginning of the first copies that you have. Not the first page. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Page number eight. Tshuva chapter eight. Okay. I think, um, yeah, I think I, I, I forgot to make the copy of chapter eight. I think you only have Tshuva chapter nine. Remember, yeah, we, we mentioned that last week. So I'm just going to do a little, a little, little preface of what he says over here. Ramam in chapter eight, first halacha says the ultimate goodness for tzaddikim is the life of the world to come. I'm quoting just in English of what he says. And that is life that doesn't have any death with it. And it's a type of life that there's no evil in it. And this is what the Torah means, you will live a long life. Fine. And um, then the Rambam says, this life in his, in, 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 in his, in his second passage, Halacha Beis, in chapter 8 of Hilchus Tshuva, this special world of Olam Abba, has no body, 
only the souls of tzaddikim alone, without a goof, below goof, without a goof, like angels. Okay, we're talking about bodiless souls in a spiritual world. And what are they doing over there? So say the early wise men. The world to come has no eating, no drinking, no tashmish, no physical relations. The righteous sit with their crowns on their head. They delight from the radiance of the Shekhinah. So the Ramam says, since there's no eating over there, it's a proof that there's no body. Because a body cannot live without food. Okay, the Ramam is coming from a medical perspective. As a doctor, he says a body can't live without food. And therefore, obviously, I have to say, if we're going to live there without food, it's a sign that it's a spiritual existence for souls without the body. Okay, then Rambam tells us in law number seven that for this is the ultimate craving of every human being. David, David Amelech yearns and pines for this great light. And he's yearning for this, for this spectacular light. And David Amelech calls it Eretz Chaim, the land of the living. And he says, Lule Hamanti, how much the Leroy's Hashem. That, that I will one day see in the goodness of God in the land of life. Now, and Rambam tells us that that type of experience of the soul delighting in the Ziva Shechina after Mashiach comes is indescribable. We can't have any understanding of it. No prophet was able to describe it because it's something that as physical human beings and bodies, we can't appreciate. It's like telling colors to a blind man. We can't appreciate, we don't understand that, and therefore it's outside of our experience. No one spoke about it, which is we know it exists. Okay? That's Rambam. Then in his next chapter, chapter number nine, this is where you have copies from. Rambam begins in Halacha Aleph and Perik Tess. Once we know that the reward of mitzvahs, and the goodness that will that will merit if we will observe the way of God, that is written in the Torah. is the life of the world to come. Like it says, it will be good for you. Now I'm skipping a few lines to one, two, three, four, five lines from, from after where I concluded. What is this that it's written in the entire Torah that Ramam is asking, if you will listen, God tells us in the Torah, if you will listen, I will reward you with so many physical rewards. For example, like Soiva, Hashem says, I will give you plenty. There won't be any, there will be, there will be such physical abundance, material abundance. And you're going to have peace. And the kingdom is going to be restored. And you're going to live in the land. And you're going to be very successful in all your actions. And all these things that are mentioned in Parshat Bechukosai, where the Torah describes to us all the phenomenal goodness that's going to be in the world after, uh, if we behave, which basically is the days of Moshiach. So Rambam tells us something very important, again, from his perspective. Rambam says that's absolutely true. The physical blessings that are promised to us in the days of Moshiach, a utopian existence where we have no headache, and no problem, there is no poverty, there's no war, there's no worries, there's no concern, there is no, uh, whatever, aggression in the world. All of that is absolutely true. However, Rambam says, what is the meaning of it? The meaning of it is as follows. 
since in order for us to merit the ultimate bliss of the world to come, for us to achieve the ultimate enlightenment of the world to come where we're not in the bodies, the way to get there, the ticket to get there is increased mitzvah observance. Meticulous mitzvah observance. And not only that, also vast Torah knowledge. When we learn Torah in our bodies, and we do all the mitzvahs, we are prepared, we prepare our neshama, we prepare our soul for that ex- blissful out-of-body experience that happens afterwards. Therefore, Maimonides says, in our world, it is so challenging to keep the Torah. It's so difficult to do the mitzvahs because of all of our financial hardship, because of the difficulties that we have, because of the problems we have, because of we're, we're living amongst the nation. Sometimes they're getting in the way and not allowing us. Sometimes also just to make etch out a living, it takes out all of our resources, all of our powers. We work so hard to just bring home a little bit, a little bit put food on the table and the like. How much of it is left for us to actually sit and study and learn? How many people wanted to be by this class tonight but couldn't make it? You know how many texts I got? Oh, Rabbi, I want to come so much, but I'm swamped with work, or I can't because of this, because of that. Because we have distractions. So everybody, so many people want to learn, but you can't come because of the distractions, the difficulties. And rightfully so. It's a hard life. It's difficult. Problems. Oh, so Ramam says, when Mashiach will come, God says, if you try your best, I'm going to help you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to remove all those obstacles and all those problems so that you're going to live in an era and a time where you're not going to have any worries. Food is going to be coming from the tree, meaning almost like that. There's going to be an abundance. Everything is going to be in plenty. No wars, no concerns, no headaches. Not only that, Ramam goes on to describe the very condition in the world is going to be conducive for all of us to become so wise and so knowledgeable. The reason for that, because Rambam says, look in the next halacha, halacha beis, the Rambam says, um, lefi, in, in, in halacha beis over here, again that was the next, uh, in chapter 9, halacha beis, it's, in the bottom it says page 304, but okay, if you have it it's okay, you don't have to look inside, but if you, the fifth line from the top of the Lacha Beis, Lefi Sheba Oisan Hayamim, or you can look in, the, in English, in that era. Tirba Hadeya knowledge, wisdom, and truth, the MS and truth, will become abundant. Shanemar Kimola Aretz Deyas Hashem, the world will be filled with divine knowledge. And, as we, the two verses that I mentioned earlier, then Rambam adds more. Why is, it, why is the world going to be filled with so much knowledge? Because we are going to have a leader, we're going to have a person, a leader, that all the world will recognize that he's going to be the most brilliant, the most knowledgeable, and, most, and, and greatest teacher ever to live. And he is going to inspire humanity with his teachings. Because that king, Sheyamud Mizereh David, who's going to get up from the descendants of David, will be even wiser than King Shlomo, and he'll be a prophet close to Moshe Rabbeinu. In prophecy, he'll be almost like Moshe, and in because there can't be a prophet greater than Moshe, but in wisdom, even surpassing King Solomon, Shlomo Melech. And therefore, and Ramam says, what's going to happen? And all the nations of the world are going to come learn and study from him. So basically, if the whole world is going to be 
tuned in to this master teacher and this wonderful, great, enlightened human being, it's going to be so conducive for all of us to increase our knowledge a millionfold. And then what is all this leading to? Rambam concludes, but the ultimate purpose of all of this will enable us to come to the ultimate goodness, and that is the afterlife, when the soul will leave the body and will go up to heaven, and over there it will achieve ultimate knowledge and ultimate enlightenment. So, okay, that's Rambam in the laws of truth. So we pointed out last week three takeaways, three points from reading this. Point number one, the days of Mashiach are characterized in Rambam, in the laws of tshuva, as incredible intellectual enlightenment. The physical blessings that are going to be in that time, which are part of it, should not be seen as some kind of entity of of its own. It should be seen only as a means to support this knowledge. We have all of our physical needs met, so we're able to devote ourselves to the pursuit of knowledge without any headache. That's point number two. Number one. Point number two we take away from the Rambam, Mashiach himself. How does Rambam see Mashiach as the greatest teacher, as the most enlightened human being, and the greatest imparter of knowledge? Okay? That's the second thing. Point number three, that Mashiach era is not, Mashiach's era is not an ultimate purpose on its own. It's a means to the next stage. When we have Mashiach, we will then enable us all to reach the purpose of life, which is when we leave our bodies and we go up to heaven. And as I pointed out last week in last class, Rambam sees, even after Mashiach coming, Rambam clearly speaks of death. According to Maimonides, death will not be eliminated after Mashiach comes. Even more so, Rambam says in Pirish HaMishnah, in his Pirish of Mishnayis, even after the resurrection, because resurrection doesn't necessarily happen right when Mashiach comes, even after the resurrection, and people are going to come back, it doesn't mean an end to death. People will come back to this world according to the Rambam. They will live very long lives, very long lives, but in the end, they will leave this world and go up to a higher place to enjoy the ultimate bliss. Rambam even goes so far to say in his, his letter of Tchias HaMesim, which I mentioned last week as well, that Moshiach himself is going to die, chas v'shalem, but Rambam says so, after living a very long life. His children will be, his, sit on his seat, take over the kingship. They will also be as, probably as great as him. And they will continue teaching the world. How long will this go on? Forever. People will live and people will die. So as I mentioned last week, according to Rambam, ultimately we see two parallel worlds. We see our physical world going on forever. We see the spiritual world called Olam Haba going on forever. And people are living... The difference between now and Mashiach is now we live short lives, relatively, full of problems, heartache, tension, and, and, and frustration and, dis- and distortions and, and, and confusion so we can't really focus and live our lives the way we should. After Mashiach comes, we're going to be living very long lives without any interference. We're all going to be able to pursue knowledge to the best that we can so that we will all come to the ultimate state of the world to come. That's the Rambam's view on life and on Mashiach in the laws of tshuva. 
Now we're going to do, and this is really where I left off last week, and now we're going to discuss Rambam's view on Mashiach as it is in the laws of kings. But as an introduction for that, to understand that, now let's open up to Maimonides the laws of kings. This you have at the beginning of your booklet. Right at the beginning of your booklet, the first page. Starts with HaMelech HaMashiach. Right, the first page, King Mashiach. In the future, the Messianic King. See, that page. So I want you to have be open to. Before we learn Rambam, however, I would like to present to you the basis of how to understand this, because or else we're just we're going to learn over here. I want to understand this 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 underlying principle. We're going to use a Hasidic concept. It's not a Hasidic concept. It's obviously, a, a, but it's something that is spoken about in Tanya, and this will give us a fundamental understanding in this teaching of the Rambam on Mashiach. Rambam says in chapter, not Rambam, the, the Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi, in his, um, here we are, hold on. Oh, in, 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 the, in, in the portal of Yichud, of unity and faith, in Shari Yichud Vamuna. Second, um, this is the second uh, volume or the second portion of the book of Tanya in chapter 7. He says like this, It is known to everybody, The ultimate purpose of creation, The ultimate purpose of creation is to, to reveal Hashem's kingship. That's why the world was created. God desired to manifest and express his power of sovereignty and kingship. You can't be a king without a people. Kingship requires subjects, subjects that are not you, but those subjects submit and accept you as their king and serve you. That's, that, that's, the, that's the notion of a king. A little bit of a foreign idea to us because we're not living in a monarchy today's days. So it's hard for us to understand that. But that's the idea. And we're going to, in the Mashiach courses, as we we're going to learn, we're going to gain a very, very great appreciation for that idea because it's very fundamental to understand the Mashiach reality. It's not in any way a suppression. Quite on the contrary, it's the ultimate realization, as we're going to see. But in any case, there is a desire on God's part to, to create the world. And he's creating the world because through creating the world, he will be a king. He'll be a king over the world. Fine. Now, um, the realization of that kingship, the realization of Hashem as a king over the world, is actualized by the people accepting him first as a king, meaning they recognize that he's their master and they're his subjects, number one. Number two, they actually do his will. When he wants something, what he asks of them, his decrees are listened to. They listen to his decrees. And kingship is, the relationship between king and subject is not a relationship of enlightenment. In other words, the way you serve your king is not by understanding him. The way you serve your king is by submitting to him. Which means you're doing what he wants because it's his will. Because he said so. 
and you're giving yourself over to the servitude of doing his will. That is the essence of being a king. So when we take a look, and from this perspective, we understand what mitzvahs are. Mitzvahs, it's interesting. Mitzvahs are, according to the earlier perspective, we spoke about that mitzvahs are ways in which we refine our character, in which we become better people. From the perspective that I told you earlier, it's hard to understand why they're called commandments. Not so much commandments. They're good advice. These are good advice. The Zohar actually refers to mitzvahs in sometimes Taryag Itin. They're great advice coming from the master of all of creation who's advising us on how we can make them the, the best of who we are and what we are. Fine. But the actual translation of mitzvah means commandment. And commandment only applies to someone that has the power to command. And the, re, and the relationship to commandment, the receiving of the commandment, is through obedience. Just doing what he said. So we find in the Mechilta, we find in the Mechilta, um, this is in Mechilta Parshas Yisro, it says over there that God says to the Jewish people, first accept me as a king, and then I'm going to decree upon you decrees. So the very notion where Judaism begins, you are our king, Rosh Hashanah also every year, we come to a place, Rosh Hashanah is all about the coronation of God as a king, we're submitting ourselves to being a king at the beginning of the year. And then we turn to God and we say, what now? What do you want? Now that I'm your servant. Fine. There's also another important statement. The sages tell us, Safra. This is a medrash in Kedoshim, but this is very fundamental. The sages say like this. Al-yomar Adam, a person should not say, chazer. A person shouldn't say, I am disgusted by pork. Yuck, it's a dirty animal. I don't want to eat pork. I'm disgusted by it. A person shouldn't say that. Or rather, what should you say? Efshi, I really love pork. I would love to have bacon and eggs tomorrow for breakfast. But what can I do? My father in heaven has decreed upon me that I can't eat it. You hear that? So the sages are telling us it's okay to want to sin. Not only is it okay, it's the right way of doing a mitzvah, of complying to do the mitzvah, is that from within yourself, you would love to do that. You're just refraining from doing it because you have a master who's your boss and my boss doesn't let me do that. And that is the attitude of mitzvah observance. Rambam also says this. Very Rambam, who we said earlier, Rambam somewhere else in the laws of kings, the Rambam says that a person should not do mitzvahs because of their understanding, hechra hadas, because they understand it, but that one has to accept the mitzvahs because God commanded to Moshe Rabbeinu, through Moshe Rabbeinu to the Jewish people. There the Rambam actually is talking about the seven Noahide laws. The Rambam says that when you have a Gentile who keeps the seven Noahide laws, but he's doing it because it makes sense. So the Rambam says he's a very wise person, but he's not the righteous of the Gentiles. Righteous of the Gentiles does the seven Noahide laws or keeps the seven Noahide laws because God commanded so. So you see that even in Rambam. And Kabbalistically, just to add a little idea of Kabbalah, the Arizal, when he speaks of mitzvot, he tells us that the, the place where the mitzvahs emanate from are from the divine attribute of kingship. We know there are ten attributes. Hashem reveals himself to the world through ten attributes. Mitzvahs are stemming from God's attribute of king. 
And therefore, mitzvahs are called mitzvat hamelech. They're the mitzvahs of the king. When we respond to them, we must do them with that attitude. So much so, this is such an astounding Arizal. Here this is Arizal's yard site coming up this week. Uh, three days from now. Two days. Today's ready Gimel. And two nights from now is the holy Ari's yard site. So the Ari, here's the, the Ari is the ultimate spiritual person, the ultimate Kabbalist. And, get, and you hear this amazing teaching from the Ari. The Ari says that when you're, going, when you're saying the Shema, and let's say you're really praying, and you're in a moment of great spiritual ha, um, heights, you appreciate God so much, and you're going to utter the words, love God with all your heart and all your soul. And if one prays the way they should be, their heart is now bursting with love. I mean, we're all going to pray that way after Mashiach comes, okay? So don't get so scared. But uh, if we are to pray really, right? So it's, you're bursting with love. The Arizal says, stop. Stop right over there. Don't just love God. Who are you to love God? Stop a second. Say in your mind, because you can't talk, I am now accepting upon myself the commandment to love God. You hear that? I, I, I'm going to love Hashem because God commanded me to love Him. Not because I feel like loving him. Who are you to love? Who, who are you? You're God's ser- servant. Who, who, who says God wants you to love him? Darizal says, oh, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to love Hashem. So you see how strong the idea of servitude is that it extends even to such a mitzvah that's so spiritual, that is so like you would think it's the natural. It's the, it's, no, even that we do because we're commanded to do so. Okay? So now... So you see, mitzvahs are mitzvah tamelech. They are the commandments of the king. When was this realized? Okay, God has a dream. He wants to be a king. Through his mitzvot, he actualizes his kingship. Now, when God created Adam and Eve, he didn't really have much of a kingdom. Why didn't he have much of the kingdom? Because Adam and Eve didn't disobey him. On the first day, he gave them one commandment. And they disobeyed him. So they rebelled immediately. So God's project, so to speak, failed for over 2,000 years until he found one person, Abraham, who was willing to accept Hashem as his king. But primarily the kingship took hold in the world by Yetzias Mitzrayim, by the time of the Exodus, when Hashem took us out of Egypt. When Hashem took us out of Egypt, he went and he took a nation and he said, you are my people and through you I will be a king over the world. First upon you, and then on the world. We know that by Yetzias Mitzrayim, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, the purpose of going out of Egypt is, be, 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 when you're going to go out, Hashem says, those are the words, hold on, um, when this people is going to go out, when you're going to go out, Tavdun Eselokim, they're going to serve God, on this mountain. That's the first time when Hashem is talking to Moshe by the burning bush. He's giving him the idea of what's the purpose of the whole Yetzirah Mitzrayim. I will bring this people over here and at this mountain, they will crown me as their king. I will become their king and they will accept servitude to be my servants. There's a famous Pasuk we know in Parshas Bahar, Kili B'nai Yisrael Avadim. To me, God says, the Jewish people are servants. And when did that happen? Rashi tells us, remember the story that when, a slave, when, a, when someone steals and then uh, they sell him as a slave, 
And if he wants to stay longer, they bore a hole in his ear. So Rashi says, why the ear? Why are we punishing the ear? So Rashi says, that ear that stood at Sinai and heard me declare that the Jewish people are my servants, and he's going and he wants another master and not me, let his ear be punctured. So we see that again, the emphasis is by the, by, by the Har Sinai, we accepted God as our king. The first commandment, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, you're God. What does that mean? It's not just information, I'm God, you're God. It's a commandment. We say the Ten Commandments. What's the commandment? Ramban says the commandment is accept me as your God. I am declaring myself your God, you accept me as your God. We know that the Jewish people accepted all the commandments. What was their acceptance? Their acceptance was, Hashem, you are our Melech, we are your subjects, we are going to serve you. Even earlier than that, by the Yamsuf, the Jewish people already said and declared, Hashem Yimloch, God will be king, God will reign, Lolam va'ed forever and ever. So an amazing thing happened by the giving of the Torah. A nation for the first time recognized God as their king, submitted themselves and accepted upon themselves the 613. These are all actualization. How do we serve him? His will is then real. So according to this, what's the point of mitzvahs? The point of mitzvahs is all the mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are all about the realization of Hashem's kingship on the world. But that's only us. We're just a small percentage. 14 million people, 15 million people in the world. God's desire is to be a king over the entire world, over all of humanity. And all of humanity are supposed to be Hashem's subjects. What's with the rest of humanity? For that, God at Har Sinai gave us the obligation, the mitzvah, that we should teach the seven Noahid laws to the rest of humanity. Meaning, even though God had initially instructed that to, Moshe, to uh, Adam, to Adam Arish, and he gave him six. And by Noah, Hashem reaffirmed it and he gave him a seventh one. So this has been already man's duty to God aside from the Jewish people. But now, when Hashem gave the Torah, there was the, as part of our receiving of the Torah for ourselves, and Ramam says clearly that the Torah was only given to Israel, to the Jewish people. Yet, it's our obligation to ensure compliance of the seven Noahide laws to whoever we can ensure. When we had power and we lived in a place and, and, and we had nations under our rule, we can police, literally, to enforce seven Noahide laws. It's not a bad thing. It's only very decent laws of living with decent morals and ethics. Fine. When we had that power. Today's days that we don't have that power, we're still supposed to enforce it but not obviously with force, a policing force, but with a force of explanation and inspiring people and telling people this idea that God expects them to keep the seven Noahide laws. What is the content of the nations keeping the seven Noahide laws? So in some places it says, and I know this, that it's not part of God's kingship. It's only the Jewish people are Hashem's servants. It's in order that we should live in a civilized world we need the nations to behave. If the world is a jungle, then we can't serve, we can't create this kingdom for God. But in other places it's explained, no. That the reason why the nations keep the seven mitzvot, the objective is, that is the full realization of Hashem's kingship throughout compliance with His will. Jews, 613 and all the details. Non-Jews, seven 
Noahide laws, which by the way have a lot of details too. So they, they, and that's how Hashem is a king over the whole world through us sharing it. And the, okay. That is the idea of Hashem being a king. Now, now we'll understand where and how and what's Moshiach's world. Oh wait, no, one more point before we get to that. And that is the next stage in this realization, as great as it was, as long as we're hanging out as a bunch of Bedouins in the desert, it's not a serious, no one is going to take this empire seriously. Okay, even when God is the palace, imagine the palace, it's a mobile home. What kind of seriousness is there to a palace when, it's, when he's mobile and he's wandering from place to place in a wilderness? So the next stage, of course, was to enter into a land and to build a country, and that country, a civilized country, is operating in accordance to God's will. So entering into the land was another phase, but a very pivotal point in the realization and actualization of Hashem as king over the world came when King David, David HaMelech, was appointed king. Why? A king in general, even King Saul, Shlomo HaMelech, I mean Shaul HaMelech, was the first king, but more, and in a much greater degree, when King David, David HaMelech, was, became the Melech. The reason why it is so important, and why is that so pivotal, in the furtherance of God as king in the world, kingship is something, it requires that you take the king very, very seriously. Because the king demands of us compliance in all aspects of our life. It's not just, you know, putting out a, a flag on the 4th of July, just to announce that you are a patriot or you believe in the king. It's not merely you know, uh, you know, saying the Pledge of Allegiance once in a while. It's a very, very serious compliance in all aspects of our daily life, in how we eat, how we speak, how we dress, how we do business, how we treat each other. In every aspect of our life, it is very, it's, so to speak, Hashem involves himself as a king in all aspects. For that, the king has to be very, very, very real to you. To be able to submit yourself to a, a, a power. If that power is distant and far and removed, a gazillion miles away in a different planet, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, we have some, somewhat of it, but it's not real. For that purpose, the Tzemach Tzedek says, this is a very, very powerful idea, that the Tzemach Tzedek teaches in his mitzvah, Tzemach Tzedek is the third Chabad Rebbe, where he gives such clarity in this idea that it was, it was part of the objective of the Jewish people to appoint upon themselves a king. So the Tzemach Tzedek explains what's the idea of making a Jewish king. It's the Jewish king is literally in the place of God. When he is becoming king, he's not king like there is a king. He becomes the king, the, the, and everybody is submitted to him. But he is actualizing God's kingship. He's not being a king on his own behalf as a messenger from Hashem. He literally is. Hashem kind of, God is manifesting his power of kingship in this human being. And this human being, when he is sitting on the throne, it is God sitting on the throne through him. It's an amazing statement. It says in Divrei Hayamim, in, in, in the Pasuk, in Divrei Hayamim, which is one of the in scripture itself, in the Navi, it says, Vayeshef Shlomo, the words over there are, it says that Shlomo HaMelech sat, hold on, Al Kisei Hashem, on, let's see where it is over here,
Oh, Kisei Malchus Hashem Al Yisroel. Divrei Hayomim, Perek Chofches, Pasuk Hei. Shlomo HaMelech is sitting on God's throne. And what is the purpose of the king? What is the king supposed to do? So, oh, so the Tzemach Tzedek, let me add one more idea. The Tzemach Tzedek says that the, the, how does it work? We need a mediator? Yes, we do. But the mediator is not a mediator. Because the mediator, he explains, is someone who is so conscious of God and of Shem's power, the king. He is so, so, so deeply impacted by Hashem's power and by Hashem's mastery and sovereignty that he is nullified to Hashem so, so much. King David felt God, David HaMelech, felt Hashem so strong where he refers to himself like a stone, that he's silent like a stone. He can't move a limb because God was so... He felt the idea of Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid that we're supposed to put Hashem in front of our eyes all the time. King David, David HaMelech, lived with that reality, we can say more than any other person. That Hashem was so vivid and real as the power in the world. He lived in complete and total submission, total bittel to Hashem. Therefore, he has no identity. He has no ego. He has no self. His entire, re- he, who he is, is a servant of Hashem. David is called Eved Hashem, a servant of God. Because his nullification is so strong, God chooses him through him to manifest his kingship. So when, when, when King David de- decrees a decree, it's not him decreeing for any personal interest. It is purely for Hashem's interest. The main objective of a king is to enforce observance of Torah and mitzvahs. Even though, of course, the king also has other areas of governorship. The king has to take care of education. The king has to take care of the military. The king has to go out to war. The king has to uh, be involved in the economic situation of the people. All that. But that is all secondary to the most important idea and objective of the king is to assure that the land of Israel is being governed by the Torah and the mitzvot and everybody in the land is following the mitzvah, is having mitzvah observance. That's the king. Rambam says this. Let me read you the Rambam. In the laws of king, Hilchus Malachim, the laws of king, the fourth chapter. Rambam says, And in all these things, his thoughts should be, To fortify the true belief, which means Torah and mitzvot, and to fill the entire world, tzedek, with righteousness, which simply means, to fill the whole world with righteousness means, means that all the Gentiles will also keep their Noahide laws. Now King David's, David HaMelech's reach was only on the land of Israel. He reached some nations, but he didn't reach too far. Shlomo HaMelech had a greater influence on a greater uh, on a greater um, 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 p- population. He reached to a farther, but still not on the entire world. Here is where the vision of Mashiach comes out now in Rambam chapter in the Laws of Kings. Rambam sees Mashiach, hear this, as the ultimate, as the ultimate king who is going to therefore manifest Hashem's kingship in the entire world. Mashiach is going to be a king recognized by all of humanity. And everybody is going to come. The entire world is going to comply with 
Hashem's commandments. The Jewish people are all going to be observant. There's not going to be, after Mashiach comes, it's not going to be a, a observant and non-observant Jew. All Jews will be observant. Joyfully, happily, not by some kind of uh, uh, police. But, but it's going to be with a sense of God being the king. But it's going to be obvious that God is the king through the king of Mashiach. And he's also going to influence the nations to accept upon themselves and be obedient to the seven Noahid laws. Let's read the Rambams in, in, king, in Laws of Kings. HaMelech HaMashiach, the King Mashiach, this is the first halacha in chapter 11. Asid Lamoid, he's going to get up. Hear these words. The objective of Mashiach is to restore Malchus David, the kingdom of David, HaMelech Liyoshna, to its old days, to its original power, to original governorship. Okay, so the first thing Rambam says about Mashiach that he, is that Mashiach is going to restore the kingship of King David to its original power. The next thing he's going to do, since his job is to enable observance, now we, most of the mitzvot we cannot do, almost half, without a temple. So the first and foremost objective of Mashiach, if he is here to enforce and to enable complete observance, so what is he going to do next? He's going to build a temple. He's going to gather the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Because in order for us to be able to do all the mitzvot, it requires all of the Jewish people to live in the land of Israel. Because we know that a lot of mitzvahs are not applicable in the land of Israel today, even when, because many Jews don't live in the land of Israel. The Torah stipulates for the Jubilee year, for certain things to be done, it requires kol Yishvel, well, all the inhabitants have to live in the land of Israel. So that's what he says. He's going to gather the gatherings of Israel. And here the Ramam emphasized very strongly, and all the laws are going to be returned, like it was in the days of David. We're going to offer sacrifices. We're going to keep the sabbatical year. We're going to keep the jubilee year. According to all the mitzvahs that are stated in the Torah. Then the Ramam continues and he says, Whoever doesn't believe that one day this will happen, that a person will come and restore the Jewish people to the land of Israel and build the temple. Today we can wake up. We don't have to even imagine that the temple is soon going to be built. The mountain is smoking. Today, as we're talking, just the last two weeks it started smoking. You can sense it shaking, it's quaking. Whoever doesn't see it is blind. You can see the whole world is getting nervous. Something is going on. Oh, you mean in Washington, they're, they're, they're busy. They're, they, the Abish is keeping them so confused over there. Unbelievable. But over there it's smoking. Meanwhile, <laughs> anybody who is not waiting for his coming, he's not just a non-believer or denier in the prophets, he's a denier in the entire Torah and in Moshe. Good. That's, the, that's what Rambam says over here. Let's turn over the page. Now let's see two pages. Continue. Go over two pages where we get to the... There's a big four in the, big, the beginning of the page. Four on the top of the page. David. And if a king from the household of David will get up, a man who diligently studies Torah. Now the Ramam speaks, before he spoke about the idea, now he speaks about reality. How is this going to happen? How is Mashiach going to happen? So Ramam says, 
if a king from the house of David will rise, first thing we have to check if he's a Torah scholar and he studies Torah, if his thing in life is to study Torah. For Osik Torah, he's preoccupied with Torah study. And he's involved with mitzvah observance. Like David, his grandfather. We know that Mashiach is a, is a grandson. He has to have royal blood in him. He must be a son of a son of a son of a son all the way up to King David. So, but you see in him that he follows in King David's path. He's an observant Jew, but not just observant, but like super, 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 super meticulous in observance. And also someone who not only knows, it doesn't say how so much he knows Torah, but he's, he's a Torah, diligently studies Torah himself. And how does he learn the Torah? Torah He follows the Torah, the written law, and he also follows the oral law. He's not someone who comes and says and makes his own interpretations to twist the Torah, meaning someone who is loyal to what the halacha, halachic observance. Then what? The Yaakov Kol Yisrael. Ramam adds more. This person will now go, this is himself. Now what will he do? He will compel, very powerful, he will compel the Yaakov Kol Yisrael, he will compel all the Jewish people, Lelech Ba, to walk in the ways of the Torah, and to strengthen this, uh, and to rectify the breaches. Okay, so again, he's, he's compelling Jews to keep the Torah. And then, he will wage the wars of God. Because obviously, in order to get, there might be people and nations who are getting in the way of the Jewish people restore, returning to the land of Israel, building the Beis Hamikdash or the Jewish people keeping the mitzvot, so Mashiach is going to fight wars to fend off all these forces that might want to stop us from doing that. So we can assume that this individual is Mashiach, and then, but we're not sure yet, because he hasn't finished. In other words, all he did so far was getting Jews to keep mitzvahs, and waging a war for Hashem. If he accomplished it, and he built the base on Mikdash, if he carries it out to the very end and he builds a temple, the Kibbetz Nitche Yisrael, and he gathered all the Jewish people to Israel, Hareza Mashiach Bevadai, now we know for sure this is Mashiach. And then the Ramam adds one more thing. He will correct the entire world to serve Hashem together. Okay, so, so what is he adding? Hear closely, what is he adding? In addition to restoring the Jewish people to full practice, the Beis Hamikdash, Ramam is also saying he will affect the entire world. The Yisakin Kola Olam, he will make a tikkun, he will affect the nations that they too will keep their mitzvot. Fine. That's Rambam. I want to ask you a question. If you looked at this Rambam that I just mentioned now, do we have one word about an enlightened world full of wisdom and knowledge? No. Did he describe Mashiach as the ultimate genius of geniuses, weight, wisdom, who's going to teach the entire world knowledge? Not a word. All the Rambam is saying over here in the Laws of Kings, he describes Mashiach not as a great, wise, intelligent genius. He's describing Mashiach as a powerful king who can rein in the Jewish people. They're not easy to deal with. To get all the Jewish people to observe mitzvah, that's a powerful king. Not only that, he's going to be able to fend off the Muslims or whatever over there and build a base on Mikdash. That's pretty powerful. 
and fight the wars of whoever might want to stop that, and get all the nations of the world to, 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 obe- to, to comply with their mitzvahs, this is referring to someone that has a very, very, very great authority and a very great power and a very great presence to be able to accomplish them. So it's a whole different description than the description we had in the laws of tshuva that we spoke earlier. Over there we saw Mashiach as just a time of enlightenment and so on and so forth. And the truth is, but now we understand, first of all, let's understand where the Rambam is coming from. Where is Rambam coming from in this description? The Rambam on this description is seeing what we spoke earlier. The purpose of creation is what? That God's kingship should be actualized. King David reached the highest we've ever come to Hashem being a king, at least over the Jewish people, was in King David and Shlomo Melech. After that, it was interrupted. It was lost. We never had again the Jewish people rallied behind one king in servitude of Hashem. We never had that. Especially during the exile. We've been scattered amongst all the nations across the entire world. So we've never had that, that, that thing. Now what? Mashiach is going to... So what are we waiting for? Waiting for that amazing time in the end of days. We know that God's dream and the purpose of creation must happen. You realize, if Mashiach doesn't come, then the whole world and all of the Torah and the mitzvahs will never realize what they're supposed to do. So Ramam says, if you don't believe in Mashiach, you're denying the entire Torah. The power of the whole Torah was given to the world. The objective of Torah is that through the Torah, God will be a king over the world. If one day you will not have a Mashiach that will come, that means the Torah will never, ever, ever realize what it was here for. And God's and Hashem himself flopped, so to speak, when he created the world because his purpose in creation will not be realized. Now, according to this, however, you see three things. First of all, the, the content of Mashiach from this halachic view is a time of subservience of the entire world being surrendered and subservient to Hashem's will. That's number one. Mashiach is seen... Point number two, Moshiach is seen as the ultimate powerful king who can, who can enforce that, 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 that obedience in the entire world. That's number two. Number three, the days of Mashiach are the purpose, according to this. Different than what he said over there, that the days of Mashiach are just a preparatory state that we can reach Tremendous enlightenment so that we can go on to Olam Haba, to the world to come. That's if you're seeing Mashiach as the objective is enlightenment. If you're seeing the objective as being enlightenment, when is the ultimate enlightenment? When you're in a body, you can't have ultimate enlightenment. So you have to wait till you go out of a body. So what's Mashiach? Mashiach is a time in which you can do a lot of, you can do your preparation so you prepare for the time that when you'll go out of a body. That's over there. But over here, Rambam is saying that the purpose over here is that there should be a king and he should restore all the Torah and the mitzvot and he will correct the entire world. Since this is the purpose. That, so this is the ultimate purpose for why the world was created. It's not a... See, Mashiach, according to Rambam over here, is not a means to an end. It's the end unto itself. But now I'll ask you all, how do we reconcile? How does the same Rambam have two complete different views on Mashiach. 
One of them is enlightenment, Mashiach, a big teacher. It's only a purpose for, the, it's a stepping stone for the next world. Or Mashiach as the implementer of God's will. To, right? So how does it work? So here's a, 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 a simple idea, an important idea. And this will give us a lot of structure for the future classes. This is very, very important. And that is to understand that when Rambam says the purpose of mankind and the realization of mankind is that man should be enlightened, Rambam doesn't mean that that's the purpose why God created the world. Because before God created the world when nothing existed, there was no human being to want to make that human being enlightened. But if you have a human, you can say, okay, the human exists already, now I have to figure out what to do with it. I'll do it, I'm going to make him enlightened. But before God created, there was nothing. There wasn't even a concept of a human. Now, God is beginning and starting to create it. Why is he doing it? What is, so, it's not, so, so it's not the purpose is that God decided an enlightened human being. God decided to create the world for whatever reason God decided to create the world. Rambam is telling you that when, when you, once you have a creation and you have a world, let's try to figure out what is the highest and highest and most developed state we as humans can reach. How can we better ourselves to the best we can be? The highest and best state that you can be is to be an enlightened human being. So now let's put it this way. Let me, let me put it like this. You have an employer and you have an employee. Both of them show up to work, the employer and the employee. But they have two perspectives of what the work is all about. And both of them work diligently all day in the office. The employer has his objective, the boss, of what the business is here for. The business is here to make him a lot of money. Right? But the business is here, let's say he's a little bit altruistic, he wants to make this business because he believes he can contribute something very special, give, provide a very, very good service for, for, the, for, for the world. Let's say, for example, I don't know if possible, the one who came up with uh, Uber, okay? Phenomenal idea, unbelievable. I don't know if this was his objective, but maybe. I mean, I didn't speak to him, I didn't research it at all. The idea that he imagined this person can give Parnassa to billions of people, millions of people across the world. Such an amazing thing. So easy, everybody can be employed. So many people can have work that they couldn't have till now. Instantly, you have to have a phone, you have to have a car, go. And so, so that, let's say there's an altruistic idea, that's what he wants. Besides all the billions he's making, okay? But there's an objective, fine. The, the, the Uber driver doesn't care about this world, this world uh, thing that he's contributing to. That's not his idea. He doesn't care to make his boss a billion dollars. He wants to pay his rent. He wants to pay for the food, for his groceries. He needs to, so therefore he's doing the work. So there is the perspective, the objective, so to speak, the purpose of the boss, and then there is the purpose of the worker. The worker's purpose is just to make a couple of dollars. The boss's purpose is, whatever his purpose is, he's building a house, he's doing so, whatever his purpose, that's his purpose. So when Rambam is discussing the purpose in Hilchas Tshuva, Rambam is addressing the question, what's in it for us? For me and you, we're not the boss. In Pirkei Avos, we find that the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people sometimes is seen as a boss and a worker. We're called Poalim. 
It says over there that the, the, the balabayas, the owner, the, 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 the boss, is pushing, but the workers are lazy. And those are us, right? So we're a lot of times compared to as workers, and God is the boss. So as God being the boss, he has a project. What's God's objective? God's objective as the creator of the world wants, he wants to be a king. He creates the world, and through the world, he actualizes his kingship. We're his subjects. But then the question is, okay, that's his kingdom. What does it have to do with me? Why am I, why am I in it? Why do I care? If Hashem wants to be, let him be a king. What do I have to do? Why should I be motivated? It's not my project, it's his project. Now, if Rambam would have already been living kind of in the days of Hasidut, after the Balshemtov, so the Balshemtov revealed deeper elements of Neshama, and once you learn Hasidut, you realize that if something is God's project, you as a human being want to do that just because it's Hashem's... The Rambam does mention that. The Rambam, however, says it's a very high person. Someone who does as MS because it's the MS. The Rambam says... That's, that's Avram Avinu. He was at a very high level. He can serve God altruistically. Ramam says very few people are that way. Ramam even says in Pirish Mishnah, let me quote to you something very powerful. Ramam says in Pirish Mishnah, um, here, a, a statement. Hold on, just to find it over here. Ha'adam ene oise maisa, a person does not do a deed. Ramam understood the psychology of a human being. A person does not do something unless he receives a benefit. Or to refrain from damage. If there is something that doesn't bring you any benefit whatsoever, that deed and that action to him is useless, and unless he's forced to do it by someone who's compelling and he's a slave, that he has to do it, he really finds it Ugh, he has no desire and no want in it at all. It's meaningless to him. Because when you, when you motivate someone, what, what am I getting from it? So Rambam comes to, to us as human beings, and he says, you want to make most of life. You want to reach, and, you're gonna, and God, is, God is giving you life. So, so what can you make out of life? So Rambam explains to us that the ultimate human being is not someone who has a lot of money. That's not, people say, no, have you made it in life? Making it in life, Rambam says, is not to have a billion dollars. Making it in life is not to be the most beautiful. Making it in life is not to be the most popular or to be the strongest or whatever. Making it in life, according to what Rambam says, is to be, have wisdom and have greatest wisdom. What's the greatest wisdom? Knowing Hashem. And, there, and how will you get to that? Why should I do mitzvahs? Mitzvahs will help us reach that purpose and that goal. So that's why Ramam explains that the purpose of mitzvahs is the refinement that enables us, moves us a step closer to reaching that step. Then Ramam says, why should I want Mashiach? Why should I want Mashiach? Why, why should I strive for the days of Mashiach? So Ramam explains to us. Number one in the days of Mashiach is going to be a time when you are going to be able to reach your highest potential. Because in Mashiach's days, Mashiach is going to be this unbelievable teacher. He's going to teach you Torah like no one else before, wisdom like no one else before. So you're going to have the ultimate knowledge. Not only that, that's going to enable you and it's going to serve as a stepping stone for you to reach the ultimate enlightenment when you leave your body and you're going to be an Olam Haba. That's our gain and our purpose. From our perspective, from our musagim, from our view. Then there's something else. What does God have in it when God created the world? So what does Hashem created the world with a purpose? His purpose is that through the Torah and the mitzvahs, 
he will become a king. How do we know that? It's a Mishnah, Pirkei Avos. The last Mishnah in Ethics of Fathers. Kol Masha Bara HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything that God created, Loi Bara, he didn't create for any other purpose. Ela Lichvodo, only for his honor. And the, and the Mishnah concludes, what's the honor of God? How does everything in the world lead to God's honor? Hashem Yimloch Laolam Va'el. That Hashem is going to be king forever and ever. So through Hashem being a king over the world, and everything in the world is unified in expressing that kingdom and serving Hashem, that's how God's glory is revealed. So it comes out, that is the perspective of, of Hashem's purpose. And this will explain right over here the difference between these two Rambas. In Rambam Hilchas Tshuva, and the laws of repentance, Rambam is talking about reward and punishment. Reward and punishment as they influence us as humans. Our reward and punishment. Your reward and punishment, Ramam is saying, the ultimate reward is what? Olam haba. How do you get to Olam haba? To the afterlife, of a blissful afterlife. Hopefully, the best preparation is Mashiach. Therefore, you should aspire and wait. And that's why all the wise men waited for Mashiach. Fine. That's that explanation. Now, however, in the laws of kings, Ramam is, is, is talking about, it's the last laws of his book of Torah, of Mishnah Torah. Ramam gives you an entire summary of the entire Torah. The objective of Torah and mitzvahs are, what's, the Ramam at the end of his book of mitzvahs gives you the objective of all the mitzvahs. Through the compliance and the implementation of this entire book of Rambam, by all people, whatever applies to them, Jews, all of these, non-Jews, these, what is going to happen as a result of all of this? God will be a king over the world. How will that ever happen in a world like we know today? A world where everybody is busy with themselves. A world where everybody's doing their own thing. So Ramam says, no, you have to believe. As a Jew, you believe with absolute and perfect faith that one day there will be a king who is going to, how? God is going to make it happen. One day a charismatic ruler is going to get up and a powerful tzaddik and a great king who's going to have power. He's going to influence all the Jewish people to keep their mitzvahs. He's going to build the base of Migdash, restore the, 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 the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And he's going to fend off all those who tried again in the way. And then you have Mashiach, and that's Mashiach. In Hilchus Malachim, there is only a very brief mention about wisdom and knowledge. But that's where the Rambam, even in the, in the laws of kings, a very brief mention. But over there, it's, the Rambam says, why did we wait for Mashiach? The wise men did not wait for Mashiach so that they will have power and they will be strong and we should rule over the world. The wise men waited for Mashiach so there will be increased knowledge. But that's like a secondary thing. The main thing in Rambam is the complete implementation of Torah and mitzvahs in the world. The full re realization of Hashem as king over the world. Good. So here we have two realities, and they come together. An inspiration to a human being and the ultimate blueprint or the ultimate objective of what the plan is. Now I'd like to take a look, something really phenomenal. Let's take a look at a third passage in Rambam, and that is the Mishnah, the, his Pirish of Mishnah. And... Um, I'm going to show you where it is. Continue after these pages that we had now. 
go through all the, all the English Hebrew pages. And you see we come to this page, it's called Rambam Igeras Teimon. Rambam Igeras Teimon, but continue going another page after that. Then you have Ramban, and you continue one more, and we come to Rambam Pirush HaMishnah. Okay, this is uh, all the way three pages from the end of your booklet. So in his Pirush HaMishnah, Rambam, Rambam tells us as follows. Omnam over there, Maimonides is primarily concerned in explaining the world to come. But because he says a lot of people don't have a complete misconstrued understanding of the world to come, so therefore, he says, he also explains what the world to come is, what Mashiach is, and the like. So I'm reading from the top of the page, Omnam Yemosa Mashiach. Behold the days of Mashiach. Let's hear carefully what Rambam describes over here in his Pirisha mission. Huzman Shetoshuva Malchus Yisrael is a time when the kingdom will return to the Jewish people. Number one, kingship will return. The Yachsarul Eretz Yisrael, the Jewish people will return to the land of Israel. Okay? Kingdom will return, will return to the land of Israel. The Oisa HaMelech Godol Ma'od, that king will be very, very great. This king. And his palace that is going to be in Zion, in Yerushalayim, will be very, very great. Its name is going to become so famous. And all the nations of the world will, 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 speak, of it, will, will speak about it. Everybody, everybody will mention it. He'll be much greater than the king Shlomo. And all the nations of the world will make peace with him and everybody will serve him. Why? Because of his great righteousness. And because of the miracles that he will perform. You hear what Ramam is saying? Moshiach will be such a spectacular person. His fame will go across the world. People will all surrender to him across the world. He will be a much greater king than King Solomon. Why? Because of his great righteousness and his wonders that are going to be through him. The Chomi Sheyakumalov and anybody that's going to stand up against him, Ya'abdeyu Hashem, Hashem will destroy that person. And then, um, okay, I'm skipping a little bit over here. Um, uh, let's skip to the one, two, three, four, four, the fourth paragraph in this page. And the great benefit that is going to be in those days, we're not going to have any foreign powers um, that we are that have a, 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 a influence upon us. That are not allowing us to keep the mitzvahs. And therefore, the Tia, and he says the last words on this paragraph. The Yishbazu HaMochamais, wars will stop. And then finally, the Tia Nimtsas Biyamim Ahem Shleimus Rabba. In those days, there will be great perfection. The Niskeba Lachaye Olam And we are going to merit to the world to come. So when you analyze this passage of Rambam, you see kind of he makes a combination of the two places. In Hilchas Tshuva, and over here, he kind of brings them together. Because in the beginning, 
He speaks about the powerful king. Okay, he's mentioning Mashiach being this great, powerful emperor and ruler. And in terms of kingship, he describes much more than he describes in, in Hilchus Malachim. He says his palace is going to be like, everybody's going to be like the most popular place. And his mention is going to be upon all the nations and anybody's going to dare mess with him is going to be destroyed. Fine. In the end, he says that the benefit that's going to be in those days is that we're not going to have headaches. We're not going to have any foreign powers upon us. And there's going to be a lot of perfection in the world so that we can merit the world to come. So the Rambam seems to be saying both. Which, by the way, fits very well with the explanation that I just had said to you before. Fits really well with the explanation we said before. Because in the beginning, he's talking about the objective of the days of Mashiach itself. He's describing it as a return to Jewish kingdom and a powerful king across the whole world. But then when the Rambam is talking about what's the benefit? What, what do we want? Who says we want this great kingdom? What's the benefit? So Rambam says it's going to be a very tranquil time. You're not going to have any disturbances. There's going to be perfection in the world. So you're going to be able to come to Olam Abba. Fine. So the Rambam mentions both. However, careful analysis, we find that really in truth, Rambam, when he describes Moshiach's kingdom in over here in this passage, emphasizes four things that he did not emphasize in the laws of kings. And careful, taking note carefully of this, this is going to give us such a very great understanding of Mashiach that we didn't get till now. And what is as follows? The, 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 I want to point out four differences between what it says in Pirisha Mishnah and in, in Hilchus Malachim. And they are as follows. Um, number one, over here in this description, if you, if you paid attention right over here, he didn't talk at all about this king, this great king, enforcing Torah and mitzvot. He didn't mention one thing about him building the Beis Hamikdash. Actually, speaks about his own palace. His palace is going to be one famed of the whole world. He's not talking about the Beis Hamikdash being built. He's not talking about a king that's going to return all the mitzvah observance. He didn't even say one word about mitzvah observance over here. That everybody's going to observe the mitzvah. Doesn't say that. Um. What else? He doesn't mention even the return to the land of Israel in which the Jewish people are going to return is different. In, in the laws of kings, Rambam speaks about the return to the land of Israel as part of the observance of mitzvot. You can't do the mitzvot unless all the Jews are in the land of Israel. He mentions over here the return, the return to the land of Israel, but as part of the kings of the kingdom. He has, to have, he has to be a king on somebody. So how is he? So he brings the Jews back to Israel. So through, he's a king over the Jewish people. And he extends his kingship on the entire world. But even this that he's bringing the Jews back is part of manifesting his kingship. Not part of observance of Torah and mitzvahs. Okay? So this is all... Um, and, and if you take a look, another idea, again, his emuna, why we have to believe in Moshiach. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't read the mo a very, very important part of the Pirisha Mishnah. Look at the bottom of the page. The last, the last line on the bottom, of, the last, not the last, the last paragraph on this page. So the Rambam continues over there when he speaks about the 13 principles. The 12th principle, which we know as our Animamin. He says, 
to believe, and to be absolutely sure that Mashiach will come. We should not think that he will delay. And if he takes a longer time, wait for him. But you shouldn't put a set time when he's going to come, because we don't know that. And I'm skipping just a little bit. Ramam says one should not try to calculate the day that he's coming. Okay? And then hear these words, very special. You should believe in him. Legadlo, you're supposed to make him great. In your own mind, you're supposed to imagine unbelievable greatness. Ula'ova, we're supposed to love Mashiach. Can you imagine that? Throughout the entire history, Ramam says we should be waiting and loving this person that we didn't even know who, what, where, and when, but we're loving this individual. Ula'ispalel bishvila, we're supposed to daven for him, for his well being. And the Ramam continues. Emisha um, is topic boy, and anybody that doubts him, and or or thinks he's not as great as Kafar Betori is in denial of the Torah. Um, and then the Ramam says, Umechlal Yesod Zan, including in this Yesod, Shein Melech Yisrael Elam Abeis David, that there is no other king for the Jewish people, only from the Davidic family. In other words, you're realizing that this family is the king of royalty, Jewish royalty. And our belief in the coming of Mashiach is connected to the idea of the eternity of the kingdom of David. So it's interesting. If you look in the laws of kings, over there the Ramah Mosa said, if you don't believe in the Mashiach, that's, a, that's called a heresy. But over there, if you look, I'm going to get a chance to really go over it. Over there, the Ramah sees it because you are denying, as we spoke earlier, the eternity of mitzvot. Mitzvahs are supposed to be the implementation of the mitzvahs is God's kingship of the world and the observance of mitzvahs. If you don't believe in Mashiach, then why are the mitzvahs? The mitzvahs are never be performed. We're never doing all the mitzvahs in the world. Okay. It's a failure of Torah mitzvahs if we do not believe in Mashiach. Over here, Rambam says, if you don't believe in Mashiach, it's not a failure of Torah mitzvahs. The Rambam sees the belief in Mashiach intrinsically bound up with the belief that the, that the that King David's kingdom is chai v'kayam, is forever and ever. That's why one day there has to come a king who will restore that kingdom. Amen. So, this idea, so to understand this, what is the fundamental principle? Oh wait, so this is, so that's one difference. Meaning all this is one, one, one nekudah. There's another two or three, which we're going to do very quickly. Another interesting idea is, in the laws of kings, when he says Mashiach is going to be restored, the kingdom, he says he's going to restore it to David HaMelech's strength. See? He's going to bring the kingdom back to the original authority of King David. In the law, in Pirisha Mishnah, Ramam is talking about a king that far surpasses King David. Ramam says he will be much greater than King Shlomo. And Ramam even says an interesting thing. The Ramam says... Um, He's going to have an advantage and a quality, and more glory, on all kings that ever ruled, that ever ruled in the world. Fine. So we have to understand the distinction. How come in Hilchus Malach and Rambam suffices with a king as great as David and Shlomo? And over here, Rambam is looking for a king that's even the greatest king ever to be. Number three. In the laws of Mashiach, Ramam very strongly emphasized that Mashiach does not have to make miracles. Ramam strongly says Mashiach, all he has to do 
is bring the Jewish people back to the land of Israel, establish us over there, but he doesn't have to change and do miracles or resurrect the dead. Don't get me wrong. Ramam is not saying that there won't be resurrection. But he, Mashiach doesn't have to do that to prove his, his power, his truth. All he has to do is meet the criteria of getting all the Jews to keep the mitzvahs, building the base, Amigdash, and so on and so forth. But he doesn't need to do miracles. Here Rambam said clearly, the reason why all the nations are going to recognize him is because there's tremendous righteousness and because of the wonders that he's going to do, that everybody's going to speak about. The wonders of Mashiach. Seems to be talking about a great miraculous person. Fourth, in the laws of kingdom, the emphasis is what Mashiach is going to do for the Jewish people. The emphasis, what is he going to do for the Jewish people? Bring us to Israel, build the Beis Hamikdash, um, restore the mitzvahs, that's all for us. Even when Rambam says that he's going to wage wars, what's the wars? People that are stopping him from building the Beis Hamikdash, he's going to wage war against them. He's going to, people that are stopping us from keeping mitzvahs, he's going to wage war. To over, but that's what Mashiach is going to do. In the laws of kings, Rambam seems to be talking about a global ruler. He's referring to that in the laws of kings, in the, in the Pirisha Mishnah, in his explanation of the Mishnah. He's speaking about this vast ruler that rules the whole world. He's not talking so much even of the kingship on the Jewish people. So it seems like we have two visions on a king over here. So which one is it? The truth is all these four differences that I pointed out are all interlinked one with each other. You see, if Mashiach's main job is the restoration of the Torah and the mitzvot, follow. If Mashiach's main job is implementation of the Torah and the mitzvot, that's all he has to do, then by the very definition, he doesn't have to be greater than King David. Because King David accomplished that. So he has to be as great as David HaMelech to be able to get, build a base. David HaMelech built the base Amigdash. He didn't build it, he prepared it, the son built it. So all he needs is to go back to the greatness of David and Shlomo. Also, he doesn't have to do miracles. Because when the, the, the Torah and the mitzvot are supposed to be observed in a natural world. And in the days of, follow, in the days of, what are we saying? In the days of David and Shlomo, in the days of David and Shlomo, what? We had already what? We had observance without big miracles. The world was a natural world. Moshiach is only bringing us back to that perfect state. Finally, Finally, as mentioned earlier, the main observance of Torah and mitzvahs is for the Jewish people. So Ramam is speaking about how this Mashiach influences Israel, the Jewish people. In the, the parish of Mishnah, he's speaking about a whole different story. He's speaking about the implementation of this kingdom. We're talking about a super ruler who's ruling the entire world. For that, we understand there needs to be miracles. For that we understand he has to be much bigger than David and Shlomo Melech. So that he will be accepted by all of humanity, especially in a modern world where monarchies, monarchies have already long lost their, their, their attraction. And finally, and that's why he's talking about Moshiach as, as, as a ruler for everybody. Okay? But to understand and appreciate why, where is the Rambam coming from over here, just going to say one point and one idea which I'm going to pick up again on next week, but just want to, so I leave you with something to, to, to think about for the entire week. There is another, which, there's another distinction in Rambam, a, third, a fourth place where Rambam talks about Mashiach. I mentioned earlier 
the letter to the Yemenite Jews. And in that letter, Rambam has a complete new novel idea of Mashiach. More like the Mashiach we all believed in when we were little children. Rambam over there talks about a fantasy Mashiach. He says, who's Mashiach? No one knows. No one is going to know him before he comes. He's suddenly going to appear out of nowhere. And when he's going to come, he's going to do such wonders and such miracles that everybody in the world is going to be just totally blown away by him. And that's how he's going to rule the entire world. So Rambam suddenly in that, he says, it's going to be someone that we don't know who he is. I'll show it to you next week. You'll read it inside. And he's going to do, if he described something about miracles, over there he speaks just about the miracles and how that's his power over the whole world. How does this fit with what we're learning? So there's one idea, and that's a very important idea. The sages tell us the coming of Mashiach can come in one of two ways. It can come in its ultimate time. It can come quicker than its ultimate time, much earlier. Mashiach also can come with the clouds of heaven, or Mashiach can come riding on a donkey. What's the difference? So the sages say, what's the difference? If for the Jewish people merit, then Mashiach is going to be completely a miraculous thing coming from above. He's going to have supernatural powers. He's coming from above in a very, very powerful way. If Mashiach is, um, if we don't merit, then Mashiach's coming is going to be in a natural, far more natural, progressive way of progress like we discussed earlier. A king will rise, he will have followers, people will do his will, he'll increase his influence. Slowly but surely he'll gain control over all the Jewish people and so on and so forth. Now the Rebbe explains, very, very important. The Rebbe says like this, ultimately, eventually, Moshiach will eventually be the super powerful, miraculous being. And the entire world will experience tremendous miracles in the days of Moshiach. That's for sure going to happen. The question is, if we merit, that's going to happen immediately, right at the beginning, at the onset of Mashiach. We're going to be introduced into the Mashiach era with spectacular, miraculous occurrences. If, however, we don't deserve, and Mashiach is coming out of, not out of, um, Mashiach is coming because he must come, not because of our deservance, then we're going to get what's called Mashiach basic. Just simple, just Mashiach, not, 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 not prime Mashiach. Mashiach basic subscription. Then we're going to get minimal Mashiach. But once Mashiach is going to put us into the land of Israel, and he's going to remove naturally all the obstacles, then we're going to learn Torah and mitzvot, and then we're going to increase our worthiness. Once we increase our worthiness, we're going to enter into phase two and we're going to have Mashiach Supreme. In other words, the real powers of Mashiach are going to be revealed. His extraordinary godly powers. Miracles are going to start happening in the world and things are going to change. So there's two possibilities of how Mashiach should come. And the Rebbe says, when Rambam describes Mashiach in the Yemenite letter, and when Rambam describes Mashiach in in his book of Kings, he's talking about two possibilities of Mashiach coming. In the laws of kings, Ramam is speaking about Mashiach in its most minimal state. In the laws of, in, in his letter to the Yemenite Jews, he's giving them Mashiach in its purest state. Mashiach as he's coming already in emeritus state. Why in the laws of kings is Rambam giving us such a minimal Mashiach? Because in laws of Torah, 
Mashiach as a law, Mashiach as something that must happen, Ramam says what must happen is only the bare minimum. So he gives you the worst case scenario of how it's going to happen. What's the basic that Mashiach has to do for it for, for to realize what he's all about? He must build us a base on Mignosh. How he's going to do it? He can do it through negotiating with, with, with the UN or whatever it is. How he's going to do it make a difference? He gets the job done that the base on Mignosh is built. He, gets, he, he somehow succeeds in, in, in influencing the Jewish people to keep the mitzvahs. And he gathers the Jewish people to back to the land of Israel. And we keep all the mitzvahs. That's it. That's what's necessary as basic halachic criteria. Now, that does not mean, Ramam is not saying that that's for sure Mashiach. Rambam says that's minimum that needs to be from a halachic perspective. However, in the Yemenite uh, letter, he's speaking about Mashiach more than what is necessary. So we can say, based on that, that the Pirish of Mishnah, where Rambam speaks about the spectacular global king, Rambam is speaking about Mashiach as Mashiach truly is, meaning in a second stage, not Mashiach as he is initially, if we need to go through that initial progress of a more natural Moshiach. This idea I'd like to discuss next week. I also did not get yet, and I thought I would get to the vision of Nachmanides and the vision of Hasidut. So we basically, however, did a thorough good analysis on Rambam in these two places. Next week we're going to pick up on Wednesday. Next week is Tisha B'Av. Hopefully we're going to be already in Yerushalayim. Chas V'Shalom. And whatever it is, Wednesday we're going to learn if, if need to be over here, same time at 8.30, we're going to continue this idea and complete the, the... And so you'll have a really, really, really good picture of all the various different approaches to Mashiach and how they all come together to complement each other. Everyone take care. We should merit to see Mashiach.